Do you remember what you felt like after you finished this poem? It, I felt a little bit like a big weight just lifted off my chest. I think that part, you know, just putting it out into the world and, you know, publishing it, it just felt like my message is, you know, has just, a, you know, an impact on a lot of people. Welcome to Voices of the Future. I'm Stuart Kestenbaum. In this series, I'm interviewing young writers and poets from Maine, all of whom have participated in programs of The Telling Room, a nonprofit writing center in Portland. The Telling Room's mission is to empower youth through writing and to share their voices with the world. All of the authors in the series are featured in A New Land, an anthology of 30 poems written at The Telling Room. When I read or hear the work of these writers, I am moved by their enthusiasm, skill, and courage. Some of them were born in Maine, others have come here from Africa and the Middle East. I'll speak with urgency about their lives and their futures. Salar Salim has been coming to the Telling Room since his freshman year at Deering High School. Now he's a sophomore at the College of the Holy Cross. In this episode, Salar tells me about experiencing Islamophobia in Maine and how he used his writing for coping and resilience. For Who I Am by Salar Salim. Terrorists. This is what you call me without shame. It hurts to be blamed for what I didn't do. I'm here because I want to live. I'm not here to hurt you. Sometimes I ask myself, why am I discriminated against for who I am? I feel as though I am surrounded by ignorance, anger, and malice. You were taught to discriminate. You say that there is liberty and justice for all. Freedom is a state of being free. But within society, why is hate your message of liberty? Justice is fair behavior or treatment. Doesn't this apply to all women and men? Battling to stay alive, it was a struggle to get here. At home, we dreamed of America, the land of the free. But does everyone here live an amazing life and enjoy equality? I feel now as though it is all a lie the televised version, a trick of the eye. He's a Muslim, probably one of those terrorists. This is what Americans assume. But the Muslim person is here because he loves you, no matter your religion or race, not to bomb you. She's an immigrant. She's here to steal our jobs. This is what Americans believe. Their immigrant is here because she wants to live and protect her children and not let them suffer, not steal your bread and butter. When will you begin to awaken, open your eyes, and discover we all have the same aspiration? Thank you. So when did you write this? I believe my sophomore year of high school. This was through the telling room? Yeah, this was through the telling room. How'd you get involved with the telling room? Well, my brother uh, got involved before I did. He's about three years older than me. So um, he got involved first, he really liked it. And as soon as I started high school, you know, he introduced me to it and I've been with the telling room since my freshman year. Like as an after-school program or? Yeah, yeah, as an after-school program, we, I did the publishing workshop. So we helped basically create the books and choose poems that we want to include in the books and design the covers and titles and everything basically. And um, I went to the telling room after school every Wednesday. When you wrote this poem, do you remember, was it like a, was there a writing prompt that you had? 
I don't think it was a writing prompt. Um, it was mostly just me writing about my frustration. I use writing as you know a coping mechanism whenever I'm frustrated with anything basically in life. And during that time, you know, I know my mom had been getting a lot of discrimination because she wears a hijab. And this was just my way of expressing my anger and, you know, sadness in a way. And I wanted to be a little bit like a dialogue, like I was yelling at a racist in a way or Islamophobe. And it's just, you know, I was just trying to say, like, why do you do this? Why are you like this? You know, just basically asking why. Do you remember what you felt like after you finished this poem? It, I felt a little bit like a big weight just lifted off my chest. I think that part, you know, just putting it out into the world and, you know, publishing it, it just felt like my message is, you know, has just, a, you know, an impact on a lot of people. Have you read it to people? Very few. I haven't even read it to my parents yet because, you know, it's just, it makes me very uncomfortable just expressing that because I feel like it would, I don't know, it's just weird. I, I just can't really do it, you know, read it to my parents. But I know I've had uh, a good amount of my friends, you know, read the poem. And Your brother know, knows the poem? I'm not sure if he's read it yet. I, I haven't, like, really talked to him about it. It's just, it's one of those things that I just like keeping in my own life. You know, if he does read it, I wouldn't mind at all. It just, I'm not going to go out of my way. And, and how does it feel like, so you wrote this, you're a sophomore in college now, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that, four years ago. Yeah. How does it feel when you read it? I feel like I've advanced a lot as a writer now. This feels a bit old to me, but it's still, you know, the impact of it, I think, is still very strong. It doesn't seem four years old. It could be written today. Yeah, it still applies, you know, sadly. Your family came to Westbrook. What country did you come from? I was born and raised in Iraq, and until I was like eight years old, um, we moved to Turkey for two years. And after living in Turkey for a couple of years, we had to go through the whole UN system in order to come to America. We moved to Portland and, you know, basically restarted our life a couple of times and came here with basically nothing and worked our way up. So how old were you when you came to Portland? 10 years old. What kind of images did you have in your mind? You're in Turkey and, and your mom or dad says, you know, we're going to go to Portland, Maine. It's actually funny because uh, I initially thought that we were going to Canada because, you know, uh, I had an uncle that lived there uh, when we were living in Turkey. So we wanted to go to him so, you know, he could help us out. But um, so Canada didn't accept us as refugees. So our second option was America. And you know, we just had to go for it. And we went to the closest place um, to Canada, you know, Maine. And did you have an image in your mind of what Maine was going to be like? or Honestly, no. I was just, you know, I was like, oh, here we go. Restarting my life all over again. I have to learn a new language and start again. So how many languages do you speak? I speak four, but I'm a little bit, you know, not as good with a couple of them. I, I speak Arabic, very fluent with that. And I also spoke Kurdish and Turkish and English. Yes, that's a lot of start over for 10. Yeah, it, it is. You know, this, this idea that, that anybody who's a Muslim is a terrorist that has uh, taken root in American parts of American society, this yeah. has been a very big thing for you. Do you are you confronting it daily? Not daily for me, because obviously, like, 
for me, it's, I say it's a little bit hard to, you know, tell if I'm a Muslim or not if you were to look at me. But I know for my mother, for example, who wears a hijab every day, it's, you know, she goes through a lot, whether it's people, you know, telling her to like go back to her country or, you know, it, that happens sadly pretty often. And I know I, I experienced a lot of it, especially back in middle school when I first came here, you know, and, you know, kids back in middle school would call me all sorts of things. And it was just very frustrating dealing with it. And it's not something that I realized I had to deal with when I first came here. And how did you respond? It was just a lot of frustration that I had to keep inside. And, you know, administration doesn't really do much, you know, when things like that happen, you know, they just say, oh, don't do that again. And then it happens again. Were there teachers who helped out at all or? Not really, which is not, you know, it's pretty sad, but at the same time, it's almost like, I don't know how they could help when, you know, it's happening like so often. And for me, I also had like very limited English, so it's hard to explain to them, you know, what's going on. And did that, did that get better as you, the longer you were here? Yeah, it definitely got better, especially in high school. I, you know, I learned up to stand up for myself. And um, I went to Daring High School, which has, you know, a lot of Muslim students. And I felt very comfortable, you know, with my identity. And, you know, in high school, I, for once, you know, was like proud to be Muslim. I, I didn't try to hide it. And, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I speak Arabic for like, I never said I speak Arabic in middle school, for example, because I was scared, you know, like people would call me like, oh, look, you're a terrorist. What are you going to do, bomb us? You know, so I learned to be very confident and you know with that aspect of myself so you're like 11 or 12 and you like somebody like taunts you when i was 11 or 12 if that happened to me it would have been really a hard thing like what your parents say did you go home and say anything about it or um honestly no i i never told my parents about it at all it's just something that i wanted to deal with myself especially because i know my parents would be very hurt if you know, things like that would happen and they would just worry a lot. And for me, I just don't want to add on to the stress that they already have of, you know, moving to a whole different country and them having to, you know, take care of us and find ways to like pay for our food and everything. And you're a sophomore. Yeah. At Holy Cross. Yep, I am. And do you, what's your major in, in college? Have you... um, I'm still undecided, but I'm probably going to go into computer science along with um, a minor in business ethics and society. And do you see yourself continuing to write? Yeah, for sure. I'm not doing as much writing, I would say, just because, you know, especially recently with college, it's very hard to find time to, you know, write whatever you want to do. Um, but most of the writing that I've been doing is writing for me is like a coping mechanism. So like whenever I'm like really stressed or have like a strong emotion about a certain thing, I would just, you know, write in my notes, you know, basically everything. And sometimes I'd turn it into like a poem or another form of writing. So what would be some of those situations like that would make you? Certain sadness, you know, like if a death happens in life or if I'm feeling frustrated about something college related, like, it's, it's very random, you know? It, and some of it are reflections of like my own life, you know, like what I need to do, thinking about the future a lot, and that's something that I do. What's the last thing you wrote? It's not really, 
in a form of poetry, but it's, as I said, it's mostly like diaries slash like journals that I keep, you know, of just like, you know, things going on in my life. I, they tend to be like private. I like, I lock them up just so, you know, it's just me putting whatever's in my heart just out there, but locked up. Voices of the Future is hosted and conceived by me and produced by Josephine Holtzman and Isaac Kestenbaum at Future Projects with help from Carly Perruccio. The music in this episode is by Jordan Kramer. The series is made possible by the Academy of American Poets with funds from the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. To learn more about the Telling Room and its programs, visit tellingroom.org. I'm Stuart Kestenbaum. Thanks for listening.